0: welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Writers Tour Shed. I'm your host Richie Billing and today I'm delighted to be joined by the New York Times bestselling author Mary E. Pearson who's stopping by to chat about her new book Morrigan and also about writing more generally. If you're unfamiliar with Mary she's a YA specialist and recently she's enjoyed tremendous success on TikTok so I'll be picking her brains all about that too. And Mary is also a tremendously talented storyteller, which is why she's a New York Times bestseller. And I'll also be asking her everything about her writing process and her journey to where she is today. Before we get into the meat of the episode, just a quick reminder that if you haven't already done so and you don't want to miss any new episodes, then subscribe or follow the show. If you have a few seconds to spare, please uh, give an honest rating on the Spotify mobile app. It's a great way to show your support. And you can also help us out even more by sharing this podcast with anyone you think may be interested via social media or simply by word of mouth telling people who you think may be interested. That means an awful lot, so thank you very much. If you like what we do, and would like to carry on your learning after we shut up, then head over to Patreon where you can find classes, books, interviews, and lots of writing guides. And now I'm delighted to welcome to the Toolshed for the very first time, Mary E. Pearson for a chat about the writing process. I'm thrilled to be joined by the New York Times bestselling author, Mary E. Pearson. Mary, welcome. And how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here today.
0: Oh, no. Thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me, especially with a new book coming out at the end of the month. You must be really busy.
1: Uh, Yes, it's been a while since I've had a new one come out and I've forgotten how crazy it gets. So, yes, very, very busy. And, you know, just this time of year with holidays and everything, it's also very busy. So, yeah, pretty much chaos around here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've had a little peek and I absolutely love the cover. I love the sound of it as well. Um, and is this a new book then? Like a brand new book, new story? It is,
1: it is. You know, it's kind of new, but kind of not. It came out in 2015 as an e-novella. And it was sort of a promotional thing for uh, the, the final book in the trilogy of the Remnant Chronicles, The Beauty of Darkness. And... My editor asked me to write a a short story. It was only supposed to be very short. Well, I ended up falling in love with the characters, and it became a, a longer story than a short story. <laughs> and it kept growing, and I finally just had to let it go. But by then, it was a novella, yeah. and they it was only published as an ebook. So then, back in twenty uh, well, last fall, so. 2021, my editor, she always knew that I wanted it to be in a hardcover. And so she said, what would you think if we did that? Would you want to add any bonus material? And I said, hot dog. Yes, I would. (laughs) So it's, it is an older book and yet it has um, five bonus chapters and other passages sprinkled throughout and it's a hardcover, um, an illustrated hardcover. And so it's brand new to me and it's just like the dearest thing because i've wanted this book for so many years and yeah. lots of people cannot download ebooks and yeah. so now we have hardcover plus you know some extra material some bonus material to go with it
0: yeah there has been that shift back towards paperback hasn't there? i've noticed in the last few years i mean i've done it myself like I, I went through a big phase of just getting loads of ebooks all the time and then now i'm just buying Paperbacks and nothing else because I just need to break from screens.
1: <laughs> exactly, you know that's I think how I feel. Um, I spend so much time on a computer writing that I really have to go to paper for reading. It's uh, you need that break, and and I think computer screens can be really hard on your eyes and your just your stress level and your focus, just a million different things. Uh, having yeah. an actual physical book where you can go curl up with it is is everything to me.
0: Yeah, I know. And it's the portability as well. Like recently moved house and one thing I can't do anymore is go to the park and read. Yeah. and Because uh, it's just too far away from the park now. But that was one of my favorite things. I used to do it every day. Even when it was raining sometimes, I'd find a little dry dry spot under a tree and uh, get my book out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, and it's kind of, it's like a little escape. Um, the rest of the world is gone. When you, you know, open up those pages, it's just you and the story.
0: Yeah. And um, you'll blink
1: messages from various <laughs> notifications or anything like that.
0: Yeah. And this book's called Morrigan, isn't it?
1: Yes, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah,
0: I do love that name. It sounds yeah. it, it sounds almost a bit Irish. I don't know if there's any... Uh...
1: Right, right. Yeah. Well, it could be...
0: <laughs> yeah. I the, the origins of,
1: of, this, of this, this world part. are very vague so
0: nice and it's part of the remnant universe
1: it's all part of the remnant universe and um do you want me to tell you what Moragon is about and how it fits yeah. into that? um the remnant universe is five different books there's a trilogy and also a duology and the trilogy begins with the kiss of deception um skip down three books and then the duology begins with dance of thieves well in between all that i wrote morrigan and uh, as i had mentioned earlier it's a story um that came between the first two books of the trilogy and the final one and so i had already kind of laid out this universe of the remnant world and it is fantasy, I think we've probably established that already, but it's you know a <laughs> fantasy world. And uh I had written about the uh the kingdom called Moragon. It's this big, powerful, the most powerful kingdom in the remnant universe, but my whole the whole remnant universe is based on unreliable histories. And so when I was asked to write this book, I knew that I wanted to write about the namesake. Who the kingdom was named for uh, the girl, and so it's it kind of brings to light how false some of those narratives were, and how that history isn't isn't all it's cracked up to be. Nice. So the the long and short of it is, it's Moragon is a prequel, even though it came a little bit later. I would recommend reading it a few, you know, stories in, not as you know your very first book. It's about a boy and a girl who are from enemy camps in this, eh, do I dare say I I hate giving off spoilers but <laughs> I won't I won't. It, it's in a world that's been devastated by some cataclysmic event. Everybody in this world is just barely getting by and trying to survive. And this boy I'm and laughing. girl yeah, <laughs> yeah. This boy and girl from enemy camps meet. And they develop a rocky uh, friendship. It's very uncertain at first, uh, but they keep it hidden away from their respective families and tribes because they're enemies. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, several years will pass before they see each other because everyone they're very nomadic and they have to go wherever they can find food and so they they meet again and again and their secret friendship starts growing and they fall in love and that is when history is kind of set in motion um i love this story because it it shows two people from very opposite worlds just trying to get by trying to struggle but Out of you know these horrible ashes and devastation that they're in, you know it's like love still. Love doesn't go away. You know, yeah. Uh, It's one of the constants in our in our humanity. Is you know we we have wars and we hate people and we fall in love.
0: Definitely, Yeah. yeah. It's a really powerful theme.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's and so that's kind of really what the the whole remnant universe is about. But here we see that this, um, you know, this young couple um, trying to survive. And it's a very tender, bittersweet story. And it just it stole my heart when I started writing it. I I didn't expect that to happen, but it did. And so I'm, I'm very excited that it's going to be in, you know, we're like we were talking about in physical form where someone can go sit beneath a tree and escape into this world for a while.
0: Yeah. And w- one thing I really loved about um, what you just said there is that it's all part of a universe. And it seems, I don't know if you've noticed this as well, but there seems to be like a bit of a shift towards this rather than writers creating like series of books that more creating like the universe. And you can tell very different stories, but all quite uh, all related in some way. And is this so? Is this something that you've always wanted to do, or is it something that you've like, sort of found inspiration for over time?
1: It's funny because um, no, I never wanted to write a series ever. Yeah. Um, I, I used to write standalone books, um, most of them contemporary, and i I thought I would never write a series. Why would I want to keep writing this whole same thing over and over again? And then I wrote. The Adoration of Jenna Fox, and that was a um, near future sci-fi story, uh, and that was published in um, the UK as well. But there was a story within that, and I think a lot of writers, you know, experience this is you start writing something, but another character or story catches your eye, and you just think, what? What would happen to them if you know all those what ifs start? Yeah, I just in what this one little what if would not go away, and so I started writing about another character in this world of uh, the Jenna Fox world, and oh my gosh, it just took me away, and that's when I then I it became a, a third book, and that's when I realized that I am I, I write long, my books tend to be very long. <laughs> I love the landscape that a series affords. You can write very long books. You can get very deep into characterization and setting and all of those things. Um, you can write a very complex world in a series. And I've been doing it ever since. Um, the, the Jenna Fox series was sort of like accidental. It's where I discovered it. And then I wrote the the Remnant trilogy, loved it. Again, you know, another little what if came into my mind. So I wrote the Dance of Thieves duology and I could just keep spitting these things out forever because as (laughs) they become real for you. Yeah. You can always imagine other characters and what they've they've been going through.
0: It sounds like you never really have a shortage of ideas.
1: Oh, no, no, um, never. Uh, Yeah. uh, I think it's having the time to write them. And yeah. that's, you know, I, I get emails all the time from people wanting me to write about these characters or those characters. And I think, gosh, I would love to do that. But I'm usually always in the middle of another book. And um, it takes a long time. I mean, my my books are, you know, 500 plus pages yeah. each. Not, not Morrigan. Morrigan is very, it's a very thin novel, which was really fun. Um, but, you know... You only have so much time and I'm not particularly yeah. a fast writer. I, I, when I'm in the throes of um, drafting, you know, I can spend all day coming and going back and forth to my computer, you know, 12 hours starting in the morning and closing up at, you know, eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Not constant, but it takes a long time to write a book. So yeah. my problem is I just wish I was a faster writer.
0: Oh, I think it's everyone has their own process and that's what I love about it it's that there's no sort of golden rule there's no sort of formula it's just what works for individuals and that's Absolutely. where the, the sort of creative genius is there
1: yeah uh, and know
0: exactly how you feel because I'm one of them people who I can only sort of do it for a short burst and then I need to go away do something else come back but the motivation's yeah. still there it's just that sometimes it just doesn't click
1: Right. And it's funny, when you do step away from the computer, um, I'm a big uh, walker. I love to go for walks. That's where so much of my dialogues. Sometimes I'll be w- walking and I will dictate some dialogue that I think, yeah. oh, this is perfect, you know, and I don't want to do it. But stepping away from the computer is where it allows your brain the chance to work out those little knots that you can't when you're really, really trying.
0: Yeah. And would you set yourself a target, to like a set time to finish a in, Or do you just let the, the process come naturally?
1: Uh, well, usually I am under contract. So yeah. they, the, the publisher, they kind of want it by a certain time. And so I, I kind of know how many words I have to write a day to meet that goal. Although I never know, you know, when I started writing the first remnant book, I thought it was going to be maybe... 100,000 words, and eh, I think it ended up being about 130,000. So, um, you, you never know exactly because the story, um, story yeah. is this is its own life force, and you have to listen to it.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, that's that's a really good way to look at it. I always feel like it's something that is evolving constantly, and I don't know, you could. You could keep changing it even after it gets sent for like the the final the final print or whatever. There's still always something that you can change and,
1: Right, you know, right. And that's it. that's one reason I tend to not read my books once they're published because I still want to change things that are happening <laughs> in it. It's too late.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, are you more of a planner then, or do you? sort of see what happens as you go I have a bit of a sort of loose idea
1: i'm i i have evolved over the years and and i've i've written a book in every possible way um planning and um pantsing and uh, one book i wrote just strictly by hearing a voice in my head and followed that character i didn't even know anything about it but i just went with it so there's a million different ways to write a book. And one t- one thing that I usually say when I talk about writing, it's only I'm talking about my process, yeah. which is probably not the, the greatest process in the world because I'm always figuring it out. But um, everyone has to find their own way. And there's just no one way of, of writing a book. But yeah. I tend to, uh, I have an idea in my head for a long time. And so I don't write anything down because I think writing it down sometimes lets that energy out. And so I wait until it's really built up inside me. And I know a little bit more about the character, what their problem is. I can envision an ending already, a few key key explosive scenes in the story, turning points and then i sit down and i start doing all that nesting and planning um you know figuring out uh a little bit more about the world yeah uh because there's for me a story there's some key elements that all kind of work together a lot of people say are you are you into plotting are you into character and really to me it's all plotting character setting they are all just molded together. You yeah. really cannot separate the three. You know you can't have a character without a setting. The setting yeah. is what is what um creates who they are. We are yeah. all part of sociological
0: setting. sociological like
1: development yeah. everything, and you can't have um a a problem without a character to show you know that's how the action is um comes to life and have to care about the character or you don't care what the problem is so you need to know some interior world so i i kind of start looking at um the character and what it is that they really want there's so many things um that drive a character and sometimes it's an actual you know outside need or want Sometimes it's an interior lack that they have that they have to fulfill. Um, Insecurities, that sort of thing. So I kind of start jotting down some ideas. I I have like little lists that I make and uh, trying to explore everything that motivates the character because motivations are everything. If if the character does things just because as an author, I want them to do it because it fits the, the plot. Then that character isn't believable. You know, they, I I really have to get inside their head. So, yeah, I I kind of do all these things, which is, I guess, the architecture in my head. And in talking to a lot of writers, um, I find that there are some people who do that interior architecture and some people do it all on paper. I've never been successful doing it all on paper. Yeah. I try you know, to be that outlining kind of person. The closest I've gotten to that is exploring the beats that are in every single story, like the catalyst. What is the catalyst that, you know, throws this character in, to, uh, into a decision? Yeah. So I look at those beats and I have usually, you know, it, if you've heard of Save the Cat, yeah, um, I'm familiar with that. Um, yeah. I think there's 15 in that one um i i generally have like 13 in my head that i sometimes you you don't know what those things are until you get there but i know that those are parts intrinsic parts of a story that pretty much every story has you know every story has a beginning a middle and an ending um you know a, a climax uh turning points that kind of thing
0: yeah yeah, it's uh, it's fast on, isn't it? Yeah, you, you've shared so much wisdom there. I don't know where to start. <laughs> I think um, I, I'd love to go back to the characters because I, it does seem like you you do love characterization getting into that character's head, and you are brilliant at it. And oh, I was like just it. wondering whether you had a sort of uh, a sort of approach that you take to to really get to know that character.
1: Uh, well, I guess the, the very first thing I ask myself is what does this character want? Yeah. And it's really basic. Um, what, what do they want out of this situation? What do they want to change? And then I, I go a little and the next level deeper and what is it that they need though? Maybe they don't even know that they need it. I think a lot of characters have some kind of lack in their life and that yeah. want relates to that need. And then I start going a little bit deeper. And this is all about me getting to know the character. And I might want to know what is the most shameful thing that they've ever done in their life? You know, I think as, as we start, you know, fleshing out a character and it, it you don't have to, Make every one of these things a big moment in the story, but I think it it does round them out so that they become real in the um in the reader's eyes, yeah, you no, know, and you look at their flaws you know everybody is not perfect uh, how are they imperfect and uh where do they they blow it and and screw up and Are there things that they are in denial about that they just won't accept so looking at all their their shortcomings and their strengths um their wants and their needs uh and for me that's really fun just to see this character kind of grow and having their own little idiosyncrasies they really do become like real people in in my head and i hope that that's what they become in other people's heads too
0: yeah it's, it's it's amazing, isn't it? I, when I finished my first novel, like, I was actually quite sad. And I was trying yes. to explain yeah. to someone. And it was like, well, I, these people have been living in my head for like two and a half years. And now they're gone.
1: Yeah, it, it is. And it's hard to let go. You You carry around all these people with you that have these whole lives and but. Nobody knows them the way you do. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully they do when they read, you know, your stories. So.
0: Yeah, that's the aim anyway. <laughs> Something I was to ask you about was was plotting. I know a lot of people, they might think of like just a few scenes uh, like really dramatic scenes and then try and work out a, a, a story or a novel around that sort of iconic moment. I mean, what have you got to share in terms of, of plot and advice Um is it something that you uh, sort of keep again keep quite vague and let the characters figure things out and and develop the plot as you go along or is it something again that you take different approaches to the,
1: the plot is related to the characters want what it is that they want and um and that relates to a million different things uh the how how the world is crushing them um blocking them from getting what they want how other people are preventing them from being everything that they can be Uh, you know a lot of times my my stories they they begin with a question um that has to do with our outer world things i don't understand things i want to explore and then eventually i begin exploring it through a character but the the plot is there's inner plots and outer plots and the outer plot might be the first thing that comes to me maybe the second thing um i think the inner plot the the plot where the character changes and grows is really what stays with us you know the, the whole world may be saved in the end but how once we close the pages of a book yeah. what we will remember is is the emotion that we felt um and maybe the victory we felt right along with the character and and what they experienced so i think the the outer plot um, is you know all the bells and whistles but the Interior plot is the heart of the story.
0: That's a really nice way to look at it. We have a lot of world-building fans who listen to the show, and you, are, <clears throat> you get a lot, a lot of compliments for the the worlds and the settings that you create. And I was wondering whether you've had you've got any tips that you could share on creating worlds or even universes, like usual.
1: Well, um, it's funny because I used to think that world building was just like all those boring passages that you read <laughs> when you were in high school and but one thing it, and it relates back again um to the character uh if i don't see that character walking in a real world um living in a real world uh with details um I can't flesh that character out. I can't bring them to life. I heard a an author speak long ago that's, um, oh my gosh, and her name. Oh, I'm having a blip moment. But mm-hmm. she said, you know, if you want to bring your, and I, I apologize for that. I hate that because I know it's just, anyhow, um, if you want to bring your character to life, you have to give them a floor to walk on, and air to breathe. And that always really, really stuck with me yeah. because, that is that is the basics of world building. You have to make your character move in a real world. And so one of the things that I do, because you also don't want to have info dumps. There is a real danger of, because world building can be really fun, and but you can't put it all on the page. And so one of the things that I go by is I don't reveal more than what my my character is experiencing in that moment. Let's just say they're on the streets and they see some um you know soldiers mistreating some uh somebody that they care about. That's my opportunity to explore some of the political you know yeah. laws of that world and so or uh, you know they walk into a store and I can see which foods or which um what the architecture is like, so I try not to. Do info dumps, but organically reveal the world yeah, to my natural. character's eyes.
0: Yeah, it sounds very, very natural, and that's that's the fa- my favorite way to both like read yeah. fantasy stories and and to write uh, or to reveal and well built details as well. And that's again, you've probably got lots of really great feedback from your your readers. Tell you that's what they really like as well. So. I have a few few reviews I've had about it have have said exactly the same thing. So I think that is a really good approach because, like you say, them massive passages of info dumpy text. That is it. It was, anyway, in older fantasy, a real problem.
1: Yeah, it, it is a problem in fantasy because sometimes you really have to get these info dumps across. And so trying to find small ways, usually... You know, if I have a place where I really have to do a little bit of an info dump, I make sure that my character is doing something that is interesting, some sort of action. They're not it's not just a big interior monologue or a actual, you know, um, them talking to another character, telling them all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has to come out in natural conversation while they're doing something else. It's kind of interesting.
0: Nice. I know you're very much a YA specialist. And we, <laughs> we haven't really spoke much about YA at all on this podcast. It's I, mean, I suppose growing up, I, I used to read a lot of it, but yeah. I've never tried writing it. Don't really know how to approach it either. And I, I have had quite a few people asking for advice. So I was wondering if you could basically share your wisdom on how you write YA?
1: Well, um, I really don't write YA any differently than I would, uh, any other kind of, you know, even if it were adult, I'm, I am working on an adult book right now. I think the the main difference is, uh, the character's age. Uh, but especially in fantasy, um, You know, if I were writing contemporary, it would be a very different kind of situation. But when you're writing fantasy and they're in a world that's not like our our world. The. Teenage um, protagonists can lead very adult lives, and in my books, they very much do. They they have to step up at a very young age, as as is true, especially in. You know, the medieval world, you were old by the time you were twenty. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a, a difference in, you know, right now we have this um this age that we call teenagers or young adults, and in other eras they were adults. Yeah. So and they were doing adult things, um, solving adult problems. Uh but you know, th- there really aren't I wouldn't say any tips except to say that you must love teenagers. um, You must love that age in, in order to give it all the respect that it deserves and all the things that that age group uh, goes through. And, and I do, you know, I love exploring all those firsts that young people have to um, address. And, you know, it's, it's a tough, time in, in anyone's life, but they are addressing these huge problems for the first time and they make mistakes, yeah. but adults make mistakes, too. And so I, I have a lot more uh, empathy for a young person making bad choices the first time than I do for an adult.
0: <laughs> yeah, everyone's got a big bad faces. Yeah. That's how you learn. So-
1: yeah, so it's basically you just have to, to love the age, love exploring it, you know, reach into the all of your memories of being that age and, and what you felt and what you went through. And, yeah, that's that's really about it.
0: Oh, that sounds good. I mean, I still think I'm 18 in my head, so I might give it a no.
1: Yeah, same here. <laughs> I I made some giant decisions when I was like in 16, 17, 18 that changed my entire life. So it's not any uh, age to really look lightly at. It's it's a very important.
0: Definitely. Now, I understand that you've had quite a lot of success on TikTok.
1: Well, (laughs) excuse me. (laughs) Um, Yes, I have. And (laughs) A, well, I I really kind of don't even know what to say because I'm not. I just recently joined TikTok. I've never posted. I don't do anything. My <laughs> publisher asked me to do a a live interview with somebody on TikTok, so I joined. And but God bless readers. I mean, they they um, took hold of Dance of Thieves and ran with it, and. You know, it's just like one of those phenomena um, I'm very grateful for. And um, I wish I could send them all chocolate. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's one of those things that you can't predict.
0: Yeah. So it's, uh, I should be honest, I've never been on TikTok, it's completely passed me by. I know it's become such a powerful thing and uh, especially in the book world. And that's sort of come about organically through this community, this book talk community who, who decided to to review your book and then it's just blown up from there. Is that basically right? Why? It We're... just
1: becomes viral. And uh, it's, it, and that's one reason I didn't go on there. Like, if it ain't broke, I'm not going to try to <laughs> fix it. I don't want to mess up what's going on over there. And, uh, but people do send me you know sometimes they, i'm on instagram i'm very active there and yeah. they'll send me they will repost you know the TikTok uh videos and they are i just love them i mean they're they are so good and cute and funny and yeah. they're very creative uh, i have to hand that to the readers they are just so inventive and creative and i'm very appreciative
0: yeah it's amazing. It's something I I've not actually sort of got my head around. Like the sort of creating videos, like I just I feel too awkward. Like so it got yeah. me took me ages to get used to this podcast.
1: <laughs> well, um, I I'm sort of part of it is just trying to find a balance. Um, I enjoy having that interaction with readers and. You know, just and also with other writers, you know, with Instagram, there's a whole book community yeah. and you do have to find balance because my my main job is is as a writer and I'm not a, a video maker and, you know, all of these other things that sometimes I think authors feel this pressure to do it all. Well, uh, maybe some people can, but uh, a lot of us can't. We we need to focus on our writing. So yeah. that is my priority when I'm having my coffee, I will respond in the morning to various things on social media. But then that's it. Then I, I get down to work and I get back to doing what I do.
0: <laughs> it's good to see. Yeah. So I think uh, there's a good good uh, final question to, to wrap things up with. is what, uh, what, was you, what would be your best bit of advice to anyone who's thinking about writing a story or a novel?
1: Oh gosh, um there's so many um good craft books out there. I would highly recommend. I mean, that's what I did when I started out. You know, why reinvent the wheel? The other people have already been there, um yeah. read and learn from them. And so I've become a really big craft book junkie. I've never met one I didn't like and didn't get something from. Yeah. And There's, you know, Save the Cat is one, um, The Anatomy of a Story by John Truby, uh, Writing the Breakout Novel by Donald Moss, uh, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. There's a million of them out there. And so, you know, take advantage of those writers who are sharing some of their journeys. Uh, But the thing is, you have to remember is that all of the things that people recommend, Will not be right for you in that moment in time. Maybe down the road, as your process evolves and changes, our creative brains all work differently, and we can only process certain information at certain times in our writing journey. So, you know, uh take take those nuggets that you can and use them. When I first started out, you know, I, I think I've always been pretty good at building character, and I got a lot of rejections, and they'd say, your characters are really good, but your plot's not going anywhere. <laughs> and yeah. after getting a few um, a few rejections like that, you know, it's like, well, I guess I better pay attention to my plot. And so I got um, books about three-act structure and, and various uh, ways of writing a novel. And I learned. And so, you know, we don't know what all of our weaknesses are. Uh yeah. Or our strengths until we probably get some feedback, so that would be my other thing is you know get some feedback on your your writing if you can join a writing group, or you know there's all kinds of different groups on online that can help out uh and also one thing that's super important is read in the genre that you want to write in, know what's out there uh and and also, you know, read out of your comfort zone. Uh, I think there, there's a, a saying that you have to read a thousand books in order to write one. And I think that's very much true. You have to internalize the good elements of storytelling before you can even try to write one yourself. Yeah. And, you know, and, and no basic story structure, you know, even if you're a pantser, You have to know that there's, you know, uh, certain parts of a story that are in all stories like beginning, middle, end and catalyst, um, you know, the climax, the lowest point, all of those things uh, that are in every good story. When I when I was still very much in my pantsing mode. I went on tour with some other authors and they were telling me about save the cat and I was a little bit dubious about these beats and everything and uh so we went through a book that I had already written and they go well where's this beat where is that beat and they went through and by golly I had all those beats in my story and I didn't even know it so yeah. it's kind of if you, if you can actually uh know ahead of time like this is probably going to be in my story somewhere. I should probably start thinking about this dark moment or
0: yeah.
1: you know the setup and all of these things, so uh no structure, and uh probably most important is set goals for yourself, yeah uh keep them small. I personally find that if I go to my computer every single day and just write even just a little bit. It keeps the story turning in my head because as you probably find have found out so much more writing goes on in your head than being at the actual keyboard. So it keeps my mind always working out plot points and, you know, character issues and that kind of thing. You know, maybe a hundred words, a hundred words is only like one third of a page. It's not very much. And if you set small goals, It's not so overwhelming and it'll keep you in the story. So, yeah, just set goals, whatever they, everybody's life schedules and work schedules are all different. Whatever works for you, just, you know, set that part of time aside because it's, that's, that's what you you are hoping to achieve. And you can, you can, it's just taking off little bites at a time.
0: Definitely. That's a really great, great way to look at it. Mary, thank you so much. It's been wonderful chatting with you. You've shared so much wisdom. I, I've learned loads, and I'm sure if you're listening at home, you've learned something new as well today. A massive good luck for the latest release. Um, this episode's coming out on the 28th, so tomorrow, the 29th, it comes out. Is that right? 28th, 9th of November?
1: It's
0: on the 29th, yeah. Oh, so very exciting. Are you doing anything to celebrate the big day?
1: I am going to be doing some um, stock signing at my local bookstore and uh, and then probably just taking a good long nap after <laughs> everything that's been going on. So, uh, But thank you, Richie. I really appreciate you having me and um, your questions are fabulous and uh, I wish you all the best with your own writing.
0: Oh, thank you very much. I'll put all the links to everything in the description and you can um, buy Morrigan um, and also check out Mary's website because I know Mary, has, I found some really fantastic articles about writing on there. So is that something that you do quite a lot of writing on your websites um, tips and guides and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, there's I have a few. Um, if you go to the the uh, page, it says for writers. There's some links to some various um, articles and also some books that I, I highly recommend, some craft books, which I mentioned. So,
0: Mary, thank you again. and I will speak to you soon.
1: Thank you so much. Okay, take care.
0: A huge thank you again, Mary, for giving up your time. I see your very, very busy schedule to chat with me about all things writing and your brilliant new book, Morrigan. You can find the links for the book in the description. Please do go and check it out. It's an absolutely beautiful looking book and the story sounds fantastic. So if you are a big fan of Mary's universe, or if you're looking for a new book to dive into, then do check it out. Thank you very much for listening today to make sure you don't miss the next episode, be sure to follow or subscribe. And if you've liked what you've heard today, then please consider uh, giving us a quick rating or review. And one of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it with anyone you think may be interested. And lastly, don't forget, if you want to carry on your learning beyond this episode, then head over to our Patreon page. You can also join our writing group, which now has over 300 people in it. So it's grown really quite quickly. And uh, just on the Patreon page, you can get access to Lots of classes, books, guides, interviews, and much, much more. So, yeah, head head on over there to check that one out. And that is all for today. Thank you very much again for listening, and keep on scribbling. (laughs)